Hello, everybody, and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 53 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. Asura's Wrath doesn't so much defy description as demand a lengthy one. The game, produced by CyberConnect2, best known for the Dot .hack and Naruto series, as well as Solitarobo on DS and Silent Bomber on the original PlayStation, is a pseudo-episodic Hindu-slash-Buddhist cosmology and anime-inspired revenge romp comprising of arena brawler, on-rails shooter and extended QTE sections. Joining me this week, Tony Atkins. Ah! Burst. Burst. Uh, James Carter. Staying eternally calm. <laughs> he just is unruffleable and the equally unruffleable also Scott Darren Foreman. Wisen, you bastard! <laughs> Wisen! Uh, and I'm Leon Cox. I failed to say this week. So, first thing I wanted to talk about um, was the pronunciation of the title. Not just the uh, English quandary of the Wrath, Wrath, or Wrath uh, thing. I say Wrath, Wrath, I think. Yeah, Wrath. Wrath. Wrath for you, Tony. Yeah, Wrath, I guess. is, is yeah, Wrath, wrath and so is wrath, uh, yeah. in, your, in your Doric way, Foreman? We say Wrathy. Wrathy. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. a lie. I say Wrath. But it was also um, the the Asura. So a lot of people in in English and and I do this, but think without thinking about it all the time. Say Asura, mm-hmm. and if you listen to it in the game, it's really the stress is really on the first and last syllables, and the U is a linking syllable. I think the I think the name Asura. I could well be wrong about this. Would be made out of two kanji, and the 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 U is the linking sound. So really, it's Asura, and in the game, it tends to be Asura. And uh, other such variants. So um, apologies for mangling pronunciation, but I, I, we will probably fall back into the more anglicised Asura. Asura. Um, for what it's worth, these things interest and bother me. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, so our histories with the game. Tony? I knew very little about this game um, before its release. Uh, usual suspects of hearing talk about it on like the giant bomb cast and stuff like that piqued my interest about it um there was a demo that came out on the 360 i played that and hated it did you properly like we've been down this road before on this very podcast but you know sometimes demos don't really show the full potential of the game but i I I didn't really understand what the demo was trying to convey the player which was hey loads of button presses and big Big enemy boss. I can't really remember it. I think it's from fairly early within the, the game. Was the demo all QTE, or did it feature some of the shooting and the fighting? Uh, yeah, a bit of both. It yeah, was uh, yeah, two two scenario demos. So there was one where it's just all uh, QTEs, and the other one where it was I think it's the boss with the big finger that comes down through the the uh, yeah. atmosphere. Oh, oh, yeah, right. Right. Um, 
That's yes. amazing, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but... Maybe not in isolation. Without yeah. context, it really comes across as just, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> w- okay. It's a perfect WTF moment. Like, yeah, sure. Um, and without the context of everything else around it, I was like, I just, like, I don't understand what this is trying to do, and had a big argument about it on, sh- on shifts, I believe, with um, oh. a-, a few people on there. So, uh, na- in my naive, I've played the demo, so I know everything. A thing that we try not to do on this well, really show. Well, that's why uh, yes. we all often pop over to the Super Happy Fun Time show. You should check that out over at spong.com. Yes. Um, several of us uh, will now be appearing from time to time on there. It's a great show, but it is, whereas we are Kane and Rince, they are ooh shiny. So sometimes, you know, opinions will be passed off after yes. very brief experiences. It's all part of the fun. <laughs> it is part of the fun, uh, but different experience. But the, the point being is because this is a fairly, you know, it's a title that's out this year, you know, you know history of it is that the demo comes out, you mess around with it uh, and see what you feel from there. And it wasn't until I heard, you know, more more the, the bigger podcasts and people like Darren talking about it on Twitter that my interest peaked and then it ended up on the, the list. And from that list, I said, yes, I want to play it. I might as well wait until now. The tension grew and then it burst. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of bursting. Darren, what about you then? Well, you can probably guess how initially thrilled I was at the prospect of playing a game that was, by all accounts, full of QTEs. <laughs> <laughs> so, I stuck it down on my rental uh, from Love Film Lust, and when it came through, I highly enjoyed it. And this was coming off the same kind of experience as Tony with the demo. Right. It's a little aside, like the top three games I've played, like my three favourite games this year, have all had horrendous demos. Hmm, yeah. Uh, I think we'll learn. I mean, Dragon's Dogma, Binary Domain, and this, they had some shit demos going for them. <laughs> yeah, just I don't... completely I, undersold the games. I just don't play demos anymore pretty much at all. Um, there, are, there are very rare exceptions, but that's another topic. That's the thing, I mean, even the less unknown games like this demos just don't really sell the full game nowadays you know you just don't I, get enough of them I, I know you say it's another topic and I want to hear you two talk about your experience with it, but you know you, you've got to look from Capcom's point of view is how do you get what this game is across to people and a wider audience and I think a demo yeah. probably is is certainly a, a way to kind of say this is what the game is but it's just it wasn't a particularly great demo it's from to be honest I, know, I think no it would have been better off kind of like Sending out the first episode, perhaps, as a video, just sticking it on YouTube, saying this is how the game plays. Or, or do given that it is so episodic and it's designed to sort of look and feel like an, a, a serial, a series, almost like a chapter play mm-hmm. or an anime cartoon, they could have done, famously back in the day, um, Sega Saturn magazine gave away the entire first disc of Panzer Dragoon Saga. Uh, and that game obviously was only made in limited numbers and is now worth a lot of money, but it was ex- an extraordinarily bold idea that worked incredibly well because the game was fantastic. So why not just give away the entire oh, yeah. first episode as a demo? Even even doing like a the Dead Rising kind of spin-off that Capcom has done before, is it? Mm. The, what was the, the little mini-game? K-Zero. K-Zero, K-Zero yeah. that's it. They did K-Zero mm. for a cheap amount. Uh, sold it on XBLA. Yeah, um, yeah that they, was they an interesting that. model that no one else has followed. Not even them. You know, they could have done that. Uh, obviously, it, it doesn't work with some games because the game world, you know, the downloading of the assets can be so extraordinary, and whatever. But it could have worked brilliantly with this, especially as you consider. And obviously, we'll talk about this later. The final act of the game is DLC, anyway. So, hmm. uh, James. 
Um, yeah, much like everyone else, I actually played this on a day that I set aside. I had a day off in January where I decided I was going to play 10 demos, and the idea being that I would end up playing through them and writing down in an article some... Why demos are so shit. Basically, yeah. That's, that's the way it honestly turned out. I, I, could, I could count on one finger how many of those 10 demos um, were actually remotely decent or improved my uh, desire to play the full game at all. Um, and this one, it's a strange thing because I agree the demo was rubbish. It was the Wizen battle and then the August battle, um, which are two of the most memorable fights in the game. And on the one hand, I want to say it doesn't give you a decent representation of what the game is because it's out of context. But in terms of the gameplay, it actually really does give you a really good slice of what the game is. It shows mm. you all of the different mechanics you're going to be using. The problem is it's out of context. And, and yeah, I think and episode also, one... The, context. In the August battle, you've also had no tutorial for the normal combat, so you've kind of got to blunder yeah. your, your way through it. You do a bit, yeah. The yeah. tutorial button tips are on screen the whole time if you play on easy i think mm-hmm. um i don't know if the the demo level had difficulty uh options or not whether it just defaulted to normal or something i think it defaulted um, if I remember but it, it, yeah. it already raises an interesting point about this game and and the reason why some people didn't and won't like it is if you took a really fantastic section of uh, sorry if it was sorry if you took a, a random section of gameplay of a number of games they would stand up in their own right because the gameplay would be enjoyable and compelling enough but all although all of you who played the demo the gameplay in itself was not enough to make you want to play the game mm. yeah isn't wouldn't that isn't that isn't that cause for concern yeah, I think it's true. I think most people's reaction to the demo was, well, this is just QTEs. I'm not having any effect on this. I might as well. You know, that was when people started saying on Twitter, well, is this a game? And we'll get to that discussion, I'm sure. But they started yeah. saying, isn't this just an interactive movie where you just press button to see next cutscene? Well, there is more to it than that. Now, yeah. there are there are these, as I mentioned in the intro, there are the three sort of styles. Now, there are non-interactive, long non-interactive sequences although never as long as some of the metal gear games or anything like that but uh lengthier sequences but then there are these three gameplay styles mm. there are the the, the dragon's lair-esque or shenmue as they invented the qte <laughs> epithet um sections now the difference between these and so many other games is that they're extremely well timed and extremely well choreographed and the button presses have a logic to them and the response to them is incredibly snappy it's not like ones where saying something like fahrenheit where you uh, aka indigo indigo prophecy where you just feel that you're pretty much playing electronic simon in front of mm. the action on the screen although i would say for me that sometimes the button uh, icons and so on the indicators did detract from my enjoyment of the frankly astounding graphical feast that was on display at least it was always logic and it linked in and the mm. further you go through the game the more sort of elaborate they become um, and they will have you pressing buttons on different parts of the screen and there will sudden, sometimes be multiple uh stick icons to show you that you have to press the stick in more you know the same direction more than once or or multiple b buttons sort of actually drawing around describing the sort of elements of the scene and stuff like that so it's not just when people say qte i think it the thing is for me there's it's kind of there's a sort of snobbishness about 
QTEs and this is because they're so often done so badly and they are, you know, a lazy thing. Exactly. Mm. The big problem with them is that they always appear in the most inappropriate places possible, you know? It's like mm. you'll be playing, say, God of War, you get to a chest and you want to open it and then you've got to hammer that button to open the chest. I've got mm. to open this fucking chest by hammering this button or everybody's going to die. It's pointless, you know? You could just press the button and open the chest. Yeah. Mm. That's the problem with most QTs. They're just in the wrong place. Hammering it to open a door is not fun. I think that what what strikes me is there's a, a philosophical or maybe at least a ludological question, which is that there's not... You could really say that there's not so much difference between a QTE and almost all video gameplay. Yeah. Really, yeah. It's, only a, it's only a matter of degrees. Just because the button shaped like a trigger doesn't happen to mean that you're actually pulling a trigger. It's still a button pressed to... To fire a gun, isn't it? It's, yeah, I think, I think a lot of the criticisms comes that the button is there on front, yeah, on screen in front of you. So QTs yeah. are usually timed at specific points, as opposed to you being a commander when you yeah. pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the, the origins of the QT really, it's it's a problem with games, isn't it? Because we we want to convey so so much of games, and we have the technology to put so much on screen with games, and you know, to a degree, make all of it interactive. But sometimes it just doesn't work from a game point, gameplay point of view. Um, you know, having a, a big beast and boss up in the, on the sky trying to hack at him. How do you get to the very top of that head, etc.? And by the, it, what seemed to be an easier way to do it was go into. Uh, he's still in game engine, but a QTE to to get that person onto that head mm-hmm. through a number. Of, you know, instead of just a video of you arriving on top of the head, mm. a number of button presses to simulate maybe if you're um, Kratos digging digging the um, the blades into the side of the beast yeah. and working his way up. Now, it would have been very yeah. hard to do in just normal gameplay, so they came up with QTE, which is more of a, an animated yeah. way of, of getting you there, but still involving you in the gameplay itself rather than disengaging you via just a cutscene. The, the difficulty is, I suppose, that most of us, when we think of QTEs, think of the instant fail state nature, you know, miss maybe one or two or three of, of whatever the less time an is. Issue now, though, exactly, and, and this game's a perfect example where, yes, you can... It, in in sort of quotation marks, fail the QTE, but it doesn't actually give you a fail state for the game. Generally, no, it, it hinders your score in the background. Yeah, absolutely, um, this this game does have a high score or grading element. From I don't know what the lowest rank. I don't know whether you can go down to E or something, but you can go up to an S rank depending on how well you perform throughout the uh, interactive sequences. And more importantly, uh, on an immediate level, if you're not score chasing, although there is a score chasing game to be had in here, as I say, is that if you mistime your button press, you don't get the full amount of satisfaction that the game gives you when you do time the button press. When you do mm. hit, often, most obviously and most often is pressing the Y button at the end of a, a sort of spiral twisting in on itself. Mm-hmm. And if you hit that at the perfect moment and you get an excellent it is always choreographed to the absolute microsecond so that you get this fantastic audiovisual feedback from the game and it gives you a buzz and you do get that little endorphin rush from doing it. If you hit the button too early or too late, it just doesn't feel as good. You totally feel like you've let yourself down as regards to the quality of the mm. experience that you're having. Do you not get like a little chimey kind of noise if you perfect it as well? The Gears of War dong, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sound and uh, video on the screen that gives you quite a lot of feedback in this game, actually. Uh, I mm. think given it's a QTE and you tend to just associate that with video continues playing or game over screen, you know? Yeah, boundary states. Yeah, yeah. I, 
I think the the important element for me, which separates this, I mean, this is probably slightly more further gameplay talk than than we necessarily need to go at this point, but how this separates from your average QT for me in games, and I think they've become more elegant over time. Um, If I go back to God of War, for example, they've done a good job to integrate um, what Kratos is doing moving up up the side of whatever he be fighting and it feels very much like you know the cameras pan far enough because it's a third person game and you can see what he's doing but this one because very rarely does it ever break from i'd say the video the video nature i believe it is more than just video that's being played to you but the mm-hmm. video nature because it stays within context of that stuff uh, and doesn't break for it from from long periods of time. It doesn't feel like the QTE is just an added thing they've they've interlaced over the top. It feels very much a part of the scene that you are playing. Now it may not be your average. I'm controlling the character on the screen, you know, left and right. But because it doesn't break away from that concentration, it feels very much like you are actually playing the character on screen, even if it's kind of smoke and mirrors action. Well, that's what I found. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and the other uh, forms of gameplay present in Asura's Wrath are uh, most commonly, I think probably just about, are the brawler or arena fight sections, which play like a sort of very... The third-person action is the is the usual yeah. way of it being described, isn't it? So. Uh, yeah, but it's specifically uh, melee combat-based, yeah. although you do have the ability to fire. Um, it feels like a, a kind of... Uh, rough and ready um sort of back to basics god of war or devil may cry or even darksiders type of mm-hmm. experience um yeah, it's just a much more enclosed melee brawler where if you're using projectiles it's usually to take out things that are shooting projectiles at you there's very few uh particular specific combos or moves again they tend to be situational um after a certain amount of wailing on the b button um this is not the kind of game where you go into a sub menu and you see that you've unlocked a whole bunch of new different attacks there's a certain amount of stuff you can do but really by and large you have a dash you have a flying attack you have a a shot and you have a, a more powerful attack, um, which you can power up further to a point where you can use it uh, repeatedly for a brief period of time. And occasionally mm. you don't even have arms. <laughs> no, this is head. true. <laughs> but it, it is a game full of uh, bars that you need to fill. You know, whether it be to activate the quick time yeah. events, whether it be to activate your cooldowns um, for your, your slightly more powerful attack, whether it be just to... Uh, well, I think that's the main two, but really just two bars that you're constantly trying to fill uh, and progress. And that's what the brawler there is for, is to, I guess, just to to feel like you are in part of that environment and build, building up that part where we'll talk about the burst, but get it to the burst point where you can then go into yeah. the QTE stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the, the brawler, I, I found, I found um, pleasant enough, you know, the, the control is responsive um, and it, it, it doesn't feel to use that horrible word again janky it does feel like you know it's quite well the character you know you've got a swift dodge move and you've and you've got these these fast combos but it's never it never feels deeply satisfying mm-hmm. it uh you know you you punch enemies and they flash there's not a sort of great sense of actual combat going on between uh you and 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 the people that completely 
as opposed to when you do start the fists do start flying uh, in in the QTE sections where you have never seen so many people get hard, punched hard in the face as in this game um, and no noses are ever broken because uh, virtually all the combatants are godlike and apparently well they also seem to be somewhat robotic but we'll get on to the, uh, the art style and the mythos um, and so the third uh, style of gameplay is very much in the Sin and Punishment mould or if you prefer Panzer Dragoon or if you prefer Space Harrier it's, uh, it's kind of an on-rail shooter with a lock-on uh, function um, into the screen normally there's also there's some bits on foot which are very much like uh, Treasure's Sin and Punishment um, and they tend to be some of the most graphically spectacular sections would you say? Yeah, I mean, the section where Asura loses it completely for the first time, that's just beautifully <laughs> done. Yeah, there's quite a lot of losing it. Um, yeah, as you say, in this some time sections... he loses it, you know. <laughs> Asura More has no usual. arms in some sections and multiple arms in other sections. Um, and every time you think he can't possibly take on another more powered-up form, he does until the game ends. Yeah... I have to say I was I was disappointed with both aspects of this. I I'll, I'll deal with the I call it the Panzer Dragoon sections. I I never really felt particularly engaged with it, and the same thing um, with the the brawler sections because it it seems that you just bash the buttons is a not particularly elegant way to describe it, but there doesn't seem to be much tactical stuff to it. You basically do. I mean, there's not much nuance to the actual combat. Mm. There it isn't. Be like no. breaking combos midway to dodge attacks and all the rest of it. You can't None do that, that, but it's just you're usually just as well hammering into them until they're dead. Yeah, you know? yeah. They they seem to use both the gameplay element and the space harrier element as. There you go, I'm just changing games. Um, using that element as some a bit more of a downtime between a, a lot of the QTE stuff. Although there is spectacular stuff as blowing up fleets via you locking on stuff, but there is only really two moves. Certainly in the flying sections, which is um, lock on with missiles and fire a great deal of missiles, or just fire a machine gun. And um, I, I kind of view the flying sections as a semi QTE themselves because they're not really that involved, but no. they're always kind of moving the storyline along, uh, changing locations, mm. showing the kind of shit that uh, Astra is wreaking upon his foes, you know. I think that's fair enough. I think, though, I, I don't know if, if, Tony, you would say it's the same th- uh, thing that you found is. M- my problem was I kind of just felt like I wasn't having a lot of impact in those in those sections at all. Um, yes, I, I knew that I was targeting, you know, whether it be missiles that were coming in at me or, or parts of ships and that sort of thing. But often you would think, right, okay, I'm going to try and dodge this incoming barrage, and you couldn't really dodge because the way that the the projectiles were coming in at you kind of just painted the screen, and so it mm. never really felt like it came much down to skill so much as just, right, let's get yeah, through this and get to the next Yeah, section. it doesn't play as well as Panzer Dragoon's yeah. Y, for instance. You did have an air dash and all the rest of it to be able to yeah. move, but I don't think it really telegraphed where missiles were going to land in your part no. of the screen quite well, well enough to dodge them. There's there's exactly. an art form to that gameplay, and I just don't. I just it to me, it's by the very much by the numbers, and the same thing with the the third person combat stuff. It's just very by the numbers. There's a lock on attack. You have a light, a heavy, and a projectile, um, and it's. I, I'll give it this. It's got a fantastic dodge move. I love any brawler with uh, great dodge abilities, and this one has that. But it doesn't. Unlike Bayonetta, where it, you know, it add to a bar, which you know then you can use a special move because it, it's just there purely to get out of the way. But it. It never challenged. It was always, well, you're either going to get hit by this thing because it seemed very much like that's what the game was wanted to happen, like this beam of light. There's a little bit of, um, you know, 
you can jump over beams of light coming towards you. But yeah, then there definitely you... is a certain amount of skill to that stuff with the the boss attacks, particularly. Yeah, I mean the thing is, I mean I think when you're actually attacking people, it's kind of unreal because it's just it's one combo. If you break it, it's usually mm-hmm. not worth it. But when you are dodging like laser beams and all the rest of it, I think the timing that's required to dodge projectile attacks is reasonably skilled. I guess the the bigger issue for me, and as we haven't even talked about story or anything like that, I just I wonder what the game wanted to be, and I you know, if it wanted to be a third person brawler uh, on top of the story that it was trying to tell, I think it failed at that. If it wanted to be a, a you know an on rail shooter, then I kind of think it failed at that as well. So, it, like its main aspects, the whole QT stuff, you know, giveaways, spoilers, I adored and loved. But those two sections, every time I went back into those, I was like, uh, okay. But, it, but mm-hmm. would it be would it be as entertaining an experience? Is it like it clearly doesn't want to be a sophisticated Devil May Cry aping mm-hmm. brawler or a or a Sin and Punishment um, equaling on rails shooter? But it's about the variety and the spectacle, isn't it? The, the danger well, is that you end up asking, did you need the troughs to appreciate the peaks? And if that's the case, then you know that doesn't really make for a fantastic game. It means the highs are very high and, and the QTE sections are incredibly spectacular. But if it means that the gameplay in between to make you appreciate them just has to be kind of run-of-the-mill and not ne- not anything special, isn't there a way to do it maybe slightly differently? Or It almost seems to a degree that they panicked had they had a full version of the story in this game and then realised that maybe we need to put a little bit of gameplay in there and it becomes somewhat of a rush. Mm. Well, we'll think, put a third I person. I think there's a good chance that management came in one day and just kind of looked at over what they'd been doing and said, what the fuck did we sign off on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, I wanna, what I'm trying to say is I think, you know, they should have embraced... All, all aspects of this game, they clearly embraced the QTE stuff, but they they didn't seem to overly embrace the the other two aspects. I think that was management cutting their budget completely at that point. Yeah. yeah. If they'd had time and budget to make a brawler that was as good as Bayonetta and an on rail shooter that was as good as Sin and Punishment or Panzer Dragoon or Rezzed, uh, Rez, sorry, um, and combined it with the QTEs and the graphics and sound that this game has got, they probably would have made the best game of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't. No, they didn't. It's interesting, though, that you think of... Uh, I mean, you mentioned Bayonetta and also Darksiders. Both of those have shooter-style sections mm. in them, and in, in, both, yeah. in both cases, the, they're there to sort of break up the gameplay and give variety, and they very much are mm. here, so it's definitely there's that... It's, it's not the first game to do this by any stretch Unlike of the imagination. Unlike in, in those games you mentioned, though, the, these, this is clearly a... It's a it's a sizable chunk of the game that yeah. you return yeah. to over uh, in many of the different chapters. It's not just like ah yeah. oh, now here's your level in the middle mm. where you where you where you're on on rail shooter like in Darksiders or or Bayonetta or even mm. Turrican two going back. But it is clearly meant to take up you know a chunk of your time. Yeah. And I think like I hear what you're saying because they are so basic and stripped back and bare bones that it would in some ways be easy to think that yes these were you know late additions or or afterthoughts but when you look at the level of a technical sophistication outside of the pure gameplay mechanics in in those sections and the audio visual spectacle side i don't i can't believe that they were they were rushed additions because they're too spectacular i i think you know they they were wholly required um i don't think this would have been as engaging as just a single you know qte story told through that way uh, i think it needed 
and uh, breaking down an aspect of gameplay. I just don't think the gameplay that they supplied within those sections were good enough to support what was you know a, a lot more interesting QT, QT stuff. Strangely, what I was thinking, and like this would never happen because the the game itself is is very ambitious. It's like it, it felt at times that I was playing a, a, a good old fashioned JRPG um, with its you know over the top cinematic stuff that's going on although you don't normally interact with jrpgs in that way but it felt like that that story could have been uh, embedded around or embraced around uh, something as a wider bigger game if capcom had the the will or the money to do so but you know they didn't well yeah i don't know i don't actually uh, know i don't have full disclosure on the financial arrangement people are, we're talking about capcom now did capcom just publish this or did they fund it from the start now this is this is a game by cyber connect too who as i say are not they're not necessarily affiliated Naruto, to Ca- yeah. They're, yeah, they're famous for Dot Hack and Naruto, two series I have no experience of, um, or Solitarobo. Uh, I remember Silent Bomber on the original PlayStation being uh, well loved in a, in a, as a very you know cool niche title. Um, this obviously does have. Uh, this game has a tight relationship with Capcom. I mean, I'll, we'll get onto the graphical style momentarily, but uh, as well as having some official Street Fighter-related DLC, mm. uh, this game has a lot of nods to Street Fighter in it. And in fact, the yeah. first thing that struck me about the character design um, and even the sort of art style, the shading, um, they've got yeah. this sort of, the characters got this sort of scarified look on their faces. Mm. Um, and it looks a bit like, uh, it looks a bit like Street Fighter 4 to me. Yeah, very that's, much. That's not yeah. a bad thing. You know. And when I first saw the character, I immediately thought of Akuma, not just because he's mm. angry, not just because the name's quite similar, but actually yeah. he does remind you the his style and his look and just the way he, you know, size and build of the character and the way he carries himself, that sort of thing. He's got that sort of menace to him. Um, and yeah, very much. First time I saw the game, I thought, well, this is this is the Street Fighter Four mm. intro you know the attract mode video at the beginning that's what this is it's a game built out of that when i played the demo we didn't actually finish uh with with how you came to the game leon but um oh no good point i I don't know if it's worth (laughs) coming back to quickly but we got dragged off on a a, a tangent basically I, i played the demo and then um uh it was it was different enough to interest me although i didn't enjoy the demo it is basically my situation um mm. and and the street fighter 4 look of it definitely attracted me to it i've got to say but i guess what i was getting at was i i don't know like you know we're talking about capcom's production values mm. and budgets and stuff but i don't know how you know how involved they were with this project from the start it looks like it it looks the sort of the way it comes across is more like a second party title but i don't believe cyber connect to are necessarily a capcom second party i think they're their own thing um that i was expecting to see uh the producer and director's names to be Capcom people, but they're not. You know, Seiji Shimoda is the director, and Kazuhiro Tsuchiya is the producer. This is his first game as a producer. There's another co-producer whose name I don't know in English. I think he's credited in. He's credited as something odd in the actual game, in the English version of the game. There are thanks to Shinji Ono and and various other. Not, uh, is that is that the Street Fighter guy Ono San? Um, yeah and uh, various other Capcom people. Uh, but as I say, beyond that, I don't know. So it's hard to... What I'm saying is it's hard to know how much yeah. time, budget, and you know, oh, yes. sort of support they had. So what you're had. saying is you think that Cliffy be left epic to make the sequel to this. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that. Uh, I was about to mention the fact that this is a uh, an Unreal Engine game. And once again, you know, to... Uh, 
vindicate what Car- our, our own Car Moon says about the Unreal Engine, the the, the idea that uh, you can only make brown and grey games in the Unreal Engine is clearly a complete and utter myth. Um, it doesn't dictate your palette whatsoever because this game is a, is one of the most colourful you'll ever see. And so was enslaved. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And Dark Siders, I think, was and the one where it came up. But, Bioshock um, as well. Bioshock, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my history with the game, very briefly, to go right back, mm. uh, I didn't buy it at the time. Can I was going to ask, uh, was, was it a f- full pricer when it first came full out? Full price, yeah. yeah. It was full yeah. price, okay. And I think that... Took off when it come down in price as well. Yeah. Yes, I was having this conversation today with our correspondent, Fury Ace. Uh, who said, oh, it's a shame it's held its value. And I said, well, it hasn't anymore, but it's re- it's relatively recently dropped. I mm. didn't uh, play the demo, and in fact, I hadn't played it at all until recently um, I got uh, received a Amazon voucher from a friend for my birthday uh, for uh, 20 quid, and this was uh, when it was just down to about 20 quid. So you can get it for cheaper now. Um, we'll talk about the price and how much the experience will cost you. It's currently £13 on Zavi if you're in the UK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so uh, that seems for for what many people will describe to you as an interactive movie type experience uh, that seems like a fairer price a, a price that keeps it around the mark of a, an anime DVD or, or Blu-ray um, but what, another thing I wanted to say was, you know, talking about we, we talked there, I'm glad we've talked about the brawler and shooter sections because although they may be underwhelming in some regards in, in terms of you know complex gameplay mechanics and uh, feel um, I'd almost been led to believe by the time I played this game that it was QTE from start to finish yeah, it, true. It, uh, and, and, and it's not true because there, there is all that other stuff in there as well yeah and I mean even the even though we're saying that the Unreal stuff and the Brawlin isn't particularly great they, it does change varying quality you know like um, there are moments later on in the game where the stuff is really impressive that you're doing it just yeah, feels better, even though it doesn't play that much yeah. better. Yeah, visually, yeah. You, you get bigger and bigger beasts that you are taking down, um, rather like than just doing the, it QC. The Usher section in the Brahmastra is just beautifully yeah. pitched. Hmm. Yeah, uh, you see and you see and go a lot of places, go up into space, come back into various mm. uh, giant craft and stuff. We'll get into a story. Um, yeah, so other than that, uh, well, we sort of attempted to describe the art style uh and there's, there's as well as, as I say, there's a score attack game in here, um, which perhaps isn't best served by the fact that the mechanics in the, the, the shooting and brawling sections aren't the best. But it is there, and you can unlock various uh, gauges, which is quite interesting because this game, as you, as you said, Tony, is so much about filling gauges. You can actually change the dynamics mm. of this by choosing to select a different gauge, and this will respond differently to mm-hmm. different gameplay styles. So, for instance, initially, when I wasn't... At first, I wasn't sure what I was doing. As soon as I unlocked the... I think it's called the Defender gauge or meter, uh, it means that you take less damage. But after a while, I unlocked another one, which allows you to have... A, a, to fill your... What's the middle bar called where you go into the mode where you can spam Y button? can't remember. Is it overheat? Mm-hmm. might be overheat. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, then I realised that because I was uh, not coming close to dying, I might as well go for the one where I can finish the sections quicker to get a better ranking Mm -hmm. because you're measured on time, um, your your sort of synchronicity with the QT, any button presses QT, and also your sort of how stylishly and efficiently you've done the brawler sections. So there is that 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 is the game, you know. When it comes down to it, every time you come out of the the story itself 
you've got uh, pages and pages of menus which both allow you to select these different meters tell you how to there's there's also a load of museum stuff to unlock you know art some and, beautiful and, and, illustrations of the game as well yes some great stuff like that uh, but also pages and pages of uh, it very clearly displays to you easy, normal, hard, and your ranking on each of those levels. And that is a very obvious, you know, you are, what you are meant to do with this game is fill those up with S ranks. And when you do that, you will unlock stuff, you will get mm-hmm. achievements. You know, so there is more than just an interactive movie here. Well worth saying. Uh, so yes, the graphic style, as well as as I say, this sort of slight—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not quite like Street Fighter Four, but that is—it's definitely reminiscent of that. Um, I think, yeah, we've kind of already hinted at it, but I think the the graphics throughout are pretty spectacular. Um, yeah. Maybe not so much in the brawler sections, but the the QTE stuff, the character animation is is amazing. The choreography, uh, the shooter in the shooter sections, the the backgrounds are pretty stunning. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's an, a visual feast, I would say. Yeah, definitely incredible looking game. Even the brawler sections, uh, the backdrops to where you're fighting and what you're doing are often uh, interesting enough, and True. and the characters always look interesting as well. So. Visually, it's it's so stimulating. It's such an odd mix of of cultures as well. It, it's got like this Asian mythology mixed with like a sci-fi a sci-fi overtones <laughs> and Buddhist stuff interlinked yeah. between it oh it's utterly bizarre it is based around uh, again this is the, the thing where i offend religious people by saying it's based around the hindu and buddhist mythologies <laughs> um the the asra are in sanskrit are power-seeking deities uh there's lots of the bosses and things are named after various uh, entities and gods but yes, as you say, there are actually sections of this this game that were clearly inspired by Flash Gordon and Star Wars and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the although the characters are all or mostly uh, gods and deities, as I said, th- this was the really interesting thing. It's never kind of explained. Is that they're clearly sort of biomechanical, almost robotic. Yeah. When when Asura loses his arms, he has cables and and sparks flying mm-hmm. out, not blood. Uh, and and later in the game where um, oh by the way we should say at this point there will be spoilers this is a game <laughs> that can definitely be spoiled and you should play it through before you listen to the rest of the show if you haven't I would suggest it won't take you that long um, there's a bit where um, Yasha who is Asura's um, he has a sort of love hate relationship with yeah. him he's his brother-in-law brother-in-law uh, in- and, and sometime friend and cohort rival. But yeah, yeah definitely yeah. rival yeah uh, he sort of inserts a, a a device basically from 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 the uh, the core of the Brahmastra, which is the sort of giant space weapon, uh, which shapes itself of- like some kind of religious <laughs> icon or deity. Yeah, it's just Death Star. It looks like a Bodhisattva uh, kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, and then yeah, it takes various forms. Well, things change it's later. Really on. big. <laughs> it's really, really big. big and it looks really cool yeah. uh but and, uh, yeah it's like an, an iron man device he shoves it into the, yeah. the middle of his stomach and it all lights up with uh, the power of all seven spirits Do, is that is this sort of biomechanoid element to these deities ever explained or is it just because it looks fucking cool or whatever <laughs> no i think i think you're supposed to sort of read into it that that's how these these beings whether they be human originally became 
demigods is that I mean even Asura himself and I think a couple of the other characters have like straight lines running through their skin where you would normally see veins mm. and it's hinting that's that right. it's maybe circuit board t- sort of esque I guess is the, the ability way to, to reproduce it. so yeah, yeah yeah they definitely do so but only godlike children <laughs> and possibly not often so they probably get it quite a lot you know I'm just saying there's not a lot of kids though <laughs> no <laughs> you're right oil. They just Very don't few. seem to have much success, either that or that. I've seen quite a lot. Well, like pandas? Yeah, I'm bas- that's an amazing idea for DLC. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think uh, Blizzard got there first. Um, so, Act 1, Suffering. Uh, you are, as Asura, a general of one of eight gen- demigod generals uh, who are fighting the Goma, who are demon creatures attacking Gaia, which is the earth-like planet in this mythos possibly actually the earth hard to say mm. uh who are being spawned by a big giant monster called the vlitra vlitra or vlitra yeah. vlitra uh, uh he already at this point asura already seems like quite a knocky gentleman he's not exactly you know he's not exactly mr laid back at this mr. point charming no. he's a little bit rough and dumble yeah so uh when the uh, the rest of his uh, seven demigod general chums betray him um, murder his wife and kidnap his daughter that's when he starts to get really pissy yeah and to be honest you can kind of see where it's coming from yeah as you would <laughs> yeah. it's like um, actually then the first stage there's a pretty good um, bit where it kind of like rewrites history for the humans mm. it gives you a little uh, note about how Asura betrayed the generals and mm. they that's right. to go down and throw him, uh, cast them down into darkness so that everything would be right with the world. And that's bullshit, you know? Yeah. It's all yeah, lies you... that they wrote for their own... Uh, for their own betterment, you know? Actually, yeah, the complete yeah. opposite. So, uh, out of the uh, the generals, the demigod generals, there's uh, Wizen and Sergei and Carlo and Olga and August and uh, Yasha is the other one, um, and Deus, who's kind of... T- uh, he... Coup d'etat, effectively, of the current um, emperor who only wishes to sort of suppress Vlitra, is that right? Um, and yeah. Deus has the idea of undertaking a, a more radical plan to keep Gaia safe, which is by harvesting the souls of the people to power the Brahmastra we- a super weapon to keep the Goma under control. So it's kind of, I suppose it's a being cruel to be kind thing. Yeah, that's the, that's certainly the the story he's telling. But the, at this point, that's, yeah, that's the way point, he sees yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, he does yes. actually view himself as a tragic kind of hero that he's got yeah. to go through all this. He, he's having to make the, the sacrifice. That's the way they always put it, and that's what they say about uh, Mithra as well. Because um, the reason she's important is she is essentially a a conduit for the souls of of the mm. the humans oh, if you like to, yeah, yeah for this for the Mithra mantra being Asura's daughter exactly. we should yep. stress yeah. yes okay that's so, kind of unfortunate for the generals to be honest it is yeah there was a yeah <laughs> they um each of the generals has uh, is imbued with the uh, the mantra power of a particular uh emotion or well it's weird because most of them are the seven deadly sins aren't they but uh <laughs> but they're not all so again, it's this kind of mishmash of mythoses, um, mm. but Asura's is wrath. So probably best not to make him angry. How do you not make him angry? Don't kidnap his daughter. Yeah, don't kill his wife. 
He's already kind of one of the things that we learn about him. The reason he's already a bit pissy is because uh, he has this daughter and this wife who he loves very much, but he feels, uh, as as I understand many parents do, um, helpless when when the baby daughter cries. Um, he's unable to do anything about it, and uh, this becomes this becomes a theme. So he's got to so, go out and punch people in the face. Yeah. So twelve thousand years later, after he dies. <laughs> yeah, sort of dies. Well, he's sort of in stasis or something, isn't he? He's not actually. Is he dead? I'm dead sure he's, he actually dies. Yeah, he's dead in the underworld, isn't he? Well, he's no. in he's in this place called Naraka, which is not hell, but it's kind of, limbo, kind of limbo. The second time it? that he dies, he gets sliced in half. So. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so he's yeah he's in this place called Naraka, which is like a limbo. He's climbing yep. up these sort of eternal columns, uh, suspended in space. Uh, he's befriended by a little familiar called uh, he's called Little Golden Spider he's quite friendly isn't he he's quite a chummy little character that's as well it ties into my own life yeah <laughs> um, I think even at this stage though it's quite clear that the spider has yeah some other ulterior motive and don't ruin it it's <laughs> a spider it's a <laughs> <laughs> um, so he pretty much uh, Astra is spurred on by the spider who has a little word in his ear to uh, he's actually he's kind of amnesiac at this point but that's only really a a story conceit doesn't make any difference he soon realises that what he wants to do is go and kick the ass of the people who betrayed him that's the short version Mm -hmm. Uh, the first one he comes across is Wizen who is uh, the I think he's the greed dude because he's massively fat Uh, so this is the, this is the fight that's in the demo, and uh, I think a lot of the promotional uh, material. Yeah, it's, um, it's slightly more than that because I mean, Astra has come out after twelve thousand years and noticed that the world has changed ever so slightly, and that his generals that he used to fight for have been coming mm. down and harvesting human souls. Mm. So he kind of comes across a town where they're about to start harvesting, and that's right. Yeah. Wizen just happens to appear. That's right. Yes. Um, so. Uh, he this is one of the yeah the first major fights i guess you could call it a boss battle but it's uh, divided up into the the usual stages uh, and it's a and big boss battle yeah it's a very big boss battle uh, a very big boss very big boss uh Asura wins uh then it's on to the first meeting with yasha now, i don't think i realized for the longest time that yasha was uh the brother of asura's wife is no, it mentioned early on? They don't hide it, but I'm not sure when it's first mentioned. You, you, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's early on. It's later early on, you do see Yasha come to get Asura. Yeah, he mentions that the Emperor wants to see Asura. Yeah, and I think you get a little just sort of thread of there's more between these two and um, Yasha. I think it. he's he's actually talking to, to, to Asura's wife, but yeah, so you start getting threads, but it starts to be revealed when um, Asura's memory starts to come back, and you see some yeah. some previous clips of of him and his wife, and and mm. that sort of thing from past. So, Asha, uh, well, uh, Asura uh, loses all six of his arms. At the, uh, during the Wizen battle and so ends up fighting Yasha with mostly his head and feet <laughs> uh, and ends up losing I thought losing. you were supposed to lose that battle but you can actually get a game over that if you die yeah huh. uh, that's right um, So, but yes you lose and get sent back to Naraka and that's the end of part one 
actually state how long you're entombed for between Acts 1 and 2, does it? It's not, it doesn't say another 12,000 years later or it's something. It's 500 it? years. Okay, thank you. 500 years later, uh, you, you've sort of been... He's uh, getting faster at getting back up. Right. <laughs> uh, you're kind of... Um, you, you've been sort of uh, petrified, I suppose, in, in, uh, as, a, as a sort of um, totem in the village, and you're sort of worshipped as a... Uh, although you're, the rumour amongst the people is that you're this bad fallen idol, the, this, this partic- in this particular village, this, particularly this woman seems to worship you. Uh, and it's her tears that awake you um, because of this whole crying motif that upsets him so much. Uh, he comes to, he has arms again. What's, did, did anyone, they were like, and he goes, oh, brilliant, I've got arms back. <laughs> well, it, was, it doesn't really explain why he's whole again anyway. He was cut in half, so yeah. he just seems to heal very He's quickly. God-like. In 500 okay. years, let's face it, who couldn't grow a pair of arms? True enough. <laughs> Wasn't he cut in half and buried in lava as well? It's like a cactus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sort of thing. Uh, so at this, pretty much as soon as he's come to, the village is attacked by the Goma again, uh, and he kicks ass and saves the village, and, and so they start to worship him. Uh, and as usual, where the Goma are, the 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 remaining guardian gods soon follow. And this time, he fights Calro. Anything? Remember any anything about this fight? Yeah, Cal- you get to make him shut up. Is it Carlo or Calro? <laughs> Calro, Calro, I believe. All right, uh, he's a sort of older uh, gentleman. Um, that's he the other to thing. Escape. As well as the demon uh, sort of goma creatures who are all sort of analogues of real animals but with this sort of horrible red crap all over them and they're nasty, uh, the, the, the demigod generals also have an army of sort of comical but slightly creepy uh, robots. You also get to kick in? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Uh, and <laughs> after Calro, we uh, is it is it first fight or the only fight with August, who's your former sort of trainer and master? I believe. Do you actually fight him during training? Yeah, you you get a, a flashback, flashback yeah. training yeah. mission with him, and it, it, that's a sort of prelude to the fight that's going to happen later on. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, and at this point, if you've downloaded it, uh, chapter eleven point five comes in, which is DLC. Um, and it's a Dragon's Lair style interactive QT anime section in which you get marked for your accuracy of button pressing. It's pretty uh, extraordinary stuff, but it's 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 not the most expensive um, anime you'll ever see. Uh, it look it looks a little bit rough and ready in places, but in terms of sort of what happens in it, it's quite remarkable. So this is the the two point five chapters are less consequential and they are just like 80s Laserdisc games in, in that they are Fantastic. entirely animated. Um, but the the Act 4 DLC, which we will talk about, uh, Part 4, sorry, is the controversial one. I'm, I'm not sure they're inconsequential, actually. I, having yeah, played okay. them directly... You know, in where they should be. I mean, it's very hard. I haven't played the game without being I played them, them in sequence there. as well. Um, I played them in sequence. And where the game ends and where it picks up again, mm. I mean, sure, if you didn't know the DLC was there, you'd probably just brush it off as, oh, it's one of those crazy plot points where they didn't, just didn't tie up. They do explain having, transitions, don't they? 
Yeah, having seen it, it's it would be very hard now to play the game without those transitions mm. because I mean, yes, that I mean, it's visually it's very I think I think it's very different from the main game, and I think they they did that purposefully. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's probably a, a cost thing again with this game but um well i mean on top of that it was released afterwards so possibly yeah, didn't finish but I, I love the be... answer you know it's yeah it, it may be embracing um the very core roots of what this game is which is a, a lot of quick time stuff and that's all it is um but i enjoyed it probably even more for that because it, it just kind of knew what it was and you played through it and there is some epic stuff going on and um, the main game, you know, a lot of this, oh, it's all in-game engine, isn't it? Um, so it's all mm. running, you know, whatever it's running, in-game engine. Mm. And I think the fact that they can then play around with stuff being animated, they can go even grander than what they achieve in the main game. Um, for instance, in this 11.1... Yeah, in some ways. There's, uh, there's a section where he grows this god-almighty flaming hand... Um, of miles pure, long yeah. yeah pure pure awesome I'm going to call it mm. um, and smacks it down and, and clears the the entire goma of this this region like takes down this massive goma elephant type beast which you you fought previously and was a big battle but he just wipes that along with everything else within this region and completely clears it so it tight I mean that you you see this big explosion happen within the main game so when you go to chapter 12 you move on from that and the area is mm. just cleared and so you're just like to okay, so he went over there and kicked some ass. Mm. But what you didn't see is the fact that he is almost dead, and that you know he, you know she, that girl finds him again, and there's this you know fairly decent embrace between them, and it, it's a big chunk of the story I think that is is missing from it. So yeah. I mean it's inconsequential, and the same with the, the next piece of DLC. I suppose we'll compared to. compared to the the other bit of DLC that we'll talk about later, it's inconsequential. But yeah, they it's are, not. Yeah. But it's not. It's not, yeah, it's not totally inconsequential. Um, these this cost one fifty nine. I think I paid for it on the PlayStation Store. Okay, they're one pound thirty six on uh, each of the point five chapters are one pound thirty six on XBLA. So, and I, th- I think they're they're worth that. I mean, the- I, I do, yeah, yeah. I do. Um, as regards to the cynicism and politics of removing sections of the game well we'll, we will talk about that but i think that if they had been removed just to try and get some extra profit they would have been released at the same time as the game i think sizable downloads i I don't know i think i think i think part four (laughs) is definitely meant to be there yeah we'll 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 come we'll come i'm really speaking about the bits in between yeah yeah sure sure. these two it seems fairly clear were removed because they could remove them from the game and make it more or less flow similarly and it's a cost saving isn't it They've, ultimately you've got to budget a game like this and if if yep. a couple of sec- you know more than those two sections will have ended up on a cutting room floor before they even got uh, you know written or made or anything they'll have had ideas that end up on the floor and these are just two they happen to be able because we have DLC to to put some time into well, what to they, producing what so. they managed to achieve in engine is quite frankly outstanding so I find it hard to believe that they couldn't necessarily create the stuff that they do in the DLC within that engine. But it would have been time, it would have been effort, yeah. I assume a lot of time, a lot of effort for what they may portray in a, you know, a quick animated cutscene. But I think you know, visually they, they look beautiful and I really appreciated the fact that they weren't like the main game. There, there was kind of a, you know appreciation of different art forms and art styles and how this gameplay mechanic could work in, in different areas, not just within, you know, like if you're this is a proper streaming anime rather than a yeah. an in-game anime, how they could maybe enhance some of that stuff rather than just a passive watch. And unless uh, Capcom are uh, playing tricks on us, none of the DLC is on the disc uh, unless they're no, making not. you download, you know, a ton of 
false data because they're all uh, chunk chunky downloads in terms of file size. Mm. But as I say, we will talk about uh, the more controversial DLC, which is the final part of the game. So the end of part two is where the the woman who awoke him from his this time 500 year stasis uh, is killed and it's it's i think it's perfect to say that she, she reminds him of his own daughter just a little bit yeah she looks, looks identical mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh this sends him this yeah uh, this I, is I, the point where he really loses it for the first time <laughs> yeah you, you thought he wasn't baity enough already uh this is really, you know, toys out the pram time. <laughs> he takes on a new form with even more power. Uh, Olga is there, another of the, the, the now... They've renamed themselves, haven't they? They've called themselves the Seven Demigods rather than the Generals or something like that. Uh, Olga is sort of um, nominally commander of a fleet of rather beautiful golden spaceships which go around and aid with the Goma situation and the harvesting of the souls, I expect, as well. And I could never figure out if her face was in-game or CG. It's just that well animated. Mm, yeah. Very detailed. Uh, and he, in his new form, Asura sends the fleet packing, basically. Uh, although we don't explicitly see the end of Olga. I, th- I think it's good to highlight the reason why I think he's so pissed with um, the gods as it be is because they've managed to convince the people of said planet... Um, uh, that in fact them sacrificing their lives is for the good of the of the mm. cause and in fact will stop the devastation of their world so these bombs will rain down on top of them and people will just sit down and pray and let their spirits be taken away and mm. the girl is the only one that seems to have a fighting spirit that says hang on this don't seem right yeah being dead isn't cool yeah would, so, would we take this as an anti-religious uh, comment anti-religion well, generally I suppose he could, certainly for this religion, which kind of yeah. requires you to die just to fulfil your duty. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea is that the um, the generals have spent uh, 12,500 years now creating this mythology around themselves, calling themselves mm. demigods, and essentially getting people to believe it. So, yeah, I mean, it, to some extent it does have that kind of feel to it, I think, when you look at the story as a whole. Um Obviously, when you're down in the in the muck with Asura, you don't really think too much about that because it's just who am I going to kill next, and, and that's that's <laughs> yeah. his his take I mean, on it, really. By this point, there's meant to be like trillions of lives that have been taken. Yep. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, over a thousand. That's a fair few dead people. Mm. Yeah. Part three, then the karma. Uh, there's a certain amount of infighting amongst the demigods by now, as Yasha seems to have doubts about. It's only taken him. Twelve and a half thousand years to uh, <laughs> consider the fact that maybe what they're doing isn't all good. Uh, next up in the kicking each of their asses for Asra is uh, Sergey. 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 Yes. Sergey. I can't remember which one he is. He's the wily. Yeah. He's he's the malevolent looking. Oh, he's horrible. Guy. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that is obsessed with beauty and finds beauty in death. Yeah. yeah, he's the sort of um, least likable, I would argue, of of the of the demigods. He's the one that you mm. probably take an immediate dislike to because of his. I remember his now. Wound. He's yeah. Yeah. He sort of. Is, he's probably the only person with a nature that is just malevolent. Yeah, yeah. The rest of them seem to be doing it for a reason. 
he's doing it because he enjoys it. Mm. And he, he seems to enjoy playing uh, the, the demigods off and trying to get a rise out of them and, and generally just be a bit of a dick, really. He did get a rise out of Ursula. I'll give him that much. <laughs> uh, so, uh, again, remind me. Uh, Yash, I, I have Yasha versus Asra again, um, uh, which culminates in... This, this is at the point that uh, yeah, Asra has almost taken on a sort of beast-like form, hasn't he? He's so yeah. overcome, he's overpowered with anger that... He's basically in berserker mode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. Yasha purges him, kind of somewhat purifies him. Yeah, well, the thing is, Asra's going to burn himself out if he doesn't yeah. come to, because he has given off pretty crazy amounts of energy for anyone, even him. Yeah, mm. he's been overwhelmed by anger itself. Exactly. So the idea at this point is that, face. that his anger has started to fuel his strength, obviously, Consuming, throughout the game. Yeah. Um, and just at the point where y- Yasha starts to see what he's capable of, he goes too far and, and just becomes. I mean, he, he looks a bit like Venom, I guess, is the way I thought of him, mm-hmm. you know, compared to Spider-Man. He's just yeah. completely lost sense of self and who he is, and he's just wrath, and, and Yasha has to put him down. And uh... Uh, and at this stage, uh, Yasha pretty much decides to split from the other demigods and Deus's plan. He goes lone wolf on his cool little speeder craft. Mm. Uh, and that's when, uh, if you have it, 15.5 DLC fits in uh, an anime featuring Yasha and his cool theme tune. So the end of part three uh, and the end of the game that exists on the disc version of as you buy the game uh, is uh, a lengthy chapter where Asura and Yasha team up against Deus, the leader of the not-so-nice demigods. Mm. Uh, this uh, this is the kind of battle that escalates the, the, the game's already kind of just escalated and escalated and if, if things were kind of getting out of hand already and the scale gets larger and more ridiculous but uh, and just to remind you this is a game that pretty much starts off with an enemy the size of a planet so yeah, <laughs> yeah that's about right uh, and you end up taking on Deus's uh, Sacra Devanam Indra d- uh, form which is uh, his sort of ultimate stage of being godlike. Um, you also end up fighting uh, the sort of ultimate form of Litra. Uh, Mithra gives you a big power up, though. Mithra is who's been held prisoner all this time, uh, thousands and thousands of years, helping with the the demigod's plan. Uh, he turns normal plain old mental Asura into Mantra Asura who is strong enough to take down Deus with and, Yasha's help. And has more arms I believe. Yeah, Many more with arms. With lots of arms, yeah. Yes, <laughs> in the style of a of a Hindu deity. So that is the end of the game, right? So how did we feel about that as the end of the game? Here's the thing, I mean I actually thought that it was an okay kind of point to end off on. Um, because the the main antagonists from the game were defeated. You know, like the people that have been displayed as your uh, nemesis, mm-hmm. you do get to slap them down. Yeah. Yep. And it's only... Like, we've got one demigod missing at this point, because 
Olga is still on the loose. That's right. You're probably not thinking about her at this point no. because the big buddies have been slapped down. It was niggling away at me, but it wasn't like, you know, yeah. it was like, oh, maybe maybe there'll be a sequel. I mean, you're not <laughs> screaming, you know, why isn't Olga fucking just been slapped down as well? But um, mm. if you get the true ending, which is if you finish it 50 yeah, wait, times... Oh, oh, that, sorry, the true ending, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the game 50 times. If you finish 50 episodes, yeah. or at least get five S-ranks during your time through the game... Um, you get a slightly different ending. You've got to play the last episode again, which is almost exactly the same. Yeah, th- this until... annoyed me that even though I'd already fulfilled the criteria to unlock yeah. true chapter 18, as it's known, I had to play it through again, which is the same up until the very last bit. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah. And it's quite long, actually. The, it chapter is. 18, there's a lot to do before you get to the fight, uh, and the fight itself takes a, a bit of working out. Um I found, um, yeah, well, it felt, felt so. Long, explain so. what the true ending is for people. It's it should probably be called the partially true ending, though. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like the the bit after the end credits type thing. But you need the to get the cliffhanger ending would be a very good title for it. Because mm. I I think the way that it ends the game, the on this game, the way that it ends that with the, the you know you basically cure in the earth um, <laughs> of the Goma uh, on and the big beast himself, um, which is. It's so hard to describe, but if you imagine the, the whole side of one Earth has become this huge octopus tentacle thing, and you need to go into its very core of the Earth itself and destroy the monster within, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That is very, very cool. That's you, thing. It feels like a very good climax to the game. You come out of that once, you know, spoilers, you, you win, and you come out of there, and you're like, shit, yeah, man, that was awesome. And you fly up to the top, and there's a little... You know that's quite euphoric. Yes, I've done. Okay, brilliant. Mm. But if you then see the the obviously after the credits section, which you need to unlock in in itself, mm. that is the one that then suddenly raises a whole bunch of issues about well, who is the spider dude? His his come up again, mm-hmm. and the spider basically scrolls onto the screen and says, "Hey kids, you like DLC, don't you?" <laughs> Pretty much. And so the 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 outcome of that. Um, extra bit is that you instead of your daughter being saved at this point which you think you've previously done via the on this stuff mm. um, all of a sudden the she's been recaptured again and the, your journey has only just begun. Yeah so Olga reappears uh, wanting revenge for uh, Deus's death who she loved and worshipped uh, and so has a sword around at the throat of Mithra who Asura's gone through all this trouble, all this rigmarole to save. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then just as she's about to slit the little girl's throat... Uh, by the way, it's never quite explained why, although Mithra is a little baby in uh, 12,500 years ago, she grows up to the age of about eight and then stops. Doesn't quite make any sense, but hey. Um, so that you've got something to fight for as a father. Mm. Yes. Uh, but yes, then a some golden spinning web it grabs the sword at the last minute and stops Mithra being killed because there he is, the golden spider. Mm-hmm. Then, pause for effect, the spider sort of goes on to form a cocoon spinning its golden web of himself and Mithra. And then they re-emerge from this spider-like... Spiders don't do cocoons, do they? That's other things, but... Um, 
That's about all as I could go. Come on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We all know what you mean. I, I, yeah. I keep yeah. questioning the, uh, the, the the scientific veracity. That's that's your problem. With a spider does a cocoon or not? If I was getting picky, I'd, I'd say that the mass balance on the Earth with uh, Vlitra sticking out of it probably yeah, doesn't really work that. all that well. Either, yeah. So. Yeah, but most of the body is in space where there's like no gravity. So. Yeah. Uh, so they emerge from this not cocoon as a, a sort of combined creature which is the golden spider and mithra and they are now uh, coming out as the true god the spinner of mantra that's yeah. essentially the ultimate being basically the yeah, idea it, being that yeah. the, the spider has been helping asra and and giving him uh, the impetus to fight back because um she wanted or it wanted uh, mithra for for itself, essentially, and didn't want mm. to have to take on the gods to do so. So, for 560 Microsoft points, or <laughs> £4.76 in English money, don't know how much it is on PSN or abroad, uh, you can see this Golden Spider Mithra hybrid turning into the Chakravartin. Now, Chakravartin... Or you could go and check it on YouTube if you're being a dick. Well, you could do, yes. It's it, it, Or if you think Capcom are being dicks for keeping the end of the game from people who have bought, yep. bought it, uh, you can go and watch it on YouTube. Uh, you don't get to to fight the enormous last battle. Do you think that's a, a big loss to not play this last chapter and just to it's watch it? It's a curious thing. You could actually finish off the game with the initial ending and be quite satisfied. Mm-hmm. But then you would miss out on this awesome incredible events that are going to be unfolding mm. so you could go without it but I would recommend that if you've come this far you go just a little bit further well I'll put it this way I didn't hesitate for a moment before purchasing the DLC no neither did I the second it was available because I completed the game before it was available mm. I went straight to the Xbox put some points in my account and downloaded this yeah, and that's, now you could say that's because clearly we had to you know we well, have to do it but you know to see the full game that you know to play to the very end and that this is the very end via the DLC mm. so almost obliged to do so but I could have checked it out on YouTube like you said yeah. but that wasn't the case I was gripped by by the story at this point and I was honestly intrigued to see how they progressed from there because in a way, I would have been satisfied with how they ended that game mm. um, and would have eagerly awaited a sequel that will probably never Which happen. Which plenty of games would do, you know? Yeah. Like, so um, many games cliffhanger at the end of the game and there's no resolution until the sequel. So so the argument is, is could this have easily been on the disc and should this have been ripped out for DLC? And I don't think that's a very easy one to answer. Mm. And I think that's a personal take. It's very personal. Exactly. Of course, uh, the, and the interesting thing in that case is that if you finish the game but didn't get 5S ranks, which I didn't actually um, on normal. I got, well, I was, pl- I was playing on easy, so yeah. uh, that, that made it a lot. I got a lot of yeah. S ranks. Um, so if you if you hadn't got that, you wouldn't have then been able to replay chapter eighteen and get the the final the true ending. Um, so if you'd bought the DLC, it might not actually make so much sense. It does recap it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's, there's a disjoint there. Stuff. So if you haven't actually played the the main game enough to see the true ending, the DLC doesn't really fit. I mean, you so only well have to dive the... back into the first five chapters on easy to get yeah, the five yeah, S ranks. Yeah. So. Be that much I, yeah, I don't think eloquently. I don't think it's done particularly well. I don't think they should have. They should have just done it yeah. as an after I mean, credits thing. And you want to find out what's happening. You wouldn't really want to do five chapters again just yeah. to hmm. be able to play through the last chapter again and then have two minutes a new FMV. 
Yeah, they should they should have mm. done it on after credits thing. I, there's enough unlockable in that game, be it you know different gauge bars, mm. you know all the the video scenes, all the art stuff. That if you're in, in, you know engaged in unlocking, getting better ranks, that there was that stuff there to do it. I don't yeah. think a hidden ending is the way to to you know, you know get your players. I mean, to go I don't back mind to that game. to a degree. It's just that the fact that it's requ- you've got to go back and then get the mm. ranks or play through fifty chapters to get the ending. Mm. I mean, you might enjoy doing those earlier chapters, but if you get to that point and you're all hyped up, you just want to continue it, you know? You want it to roll on. Yeah, yeah. I, I think as as well, as time I got to the end of the game, it was clear in my mind that this was an experiment by Capcom that didn't pay off. Um, you know, financially didn't, I don't think it pay, paid off. 200,000 copies sold or thereabouts is the best figure I can find. <laughs> Which, you know, we, once again, you know, we don't know how much it cost and all the all the politics around it, but... Um, to me, it, yeah, I, I think I went, yeah, they're probably not going to get to make a sequel to this. And the fact that this extra piece of DLC wraps up the story that bit more succinctly. Well, of course, it doesn't that. because every every chapter uh, has yeah. uh, a little animated, or well, still almost uh, still uh, art um, epilogue at the end. And the, and the final chapter, the DLC chapter, is no different. Um, we should say... Asura beats Yasha in the final chapter. Uh, Yasha gives uh, Asura the power of the eight mantras, uh, the sort of Iron Man power-up device, uh, which turns him into the ultimate form of... his ultimate form of Asura the Destructor, and he fights first Chakravartin, and then Chakravartin's ultimate form, Chakravartin the Creator. Um, there, there's a lot, again... And there was a fantastic joke during the site as well, where it... Uh Shackerverton puts out his hand, and then you get this little text saying, "Extend your hand," yeah. because he wants to shake your hand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the next frame is Asra's fist in his face. Yeah, this B button um, sort of uh, thing comes up a few times to uh, shut various people's sort of uh, speeches up. So they're whether they're giving exposition or just gloating, uh, it says press B to. You know, shut shut so and so up. Um, there's normally achievements or trophies linked to it, so always worth doing for both that and comedy value. Uh, ultimately, you know, the fight is won. The, the last chapter consists of uh, all the different, all the three different kinds of gameplay that you've seen before. You get some of the the 3D shooter, some of the brawler, some of the uh, QTE stuff, and ultimately, you know, uh, you win, but then you don't win but uh only mithra ends up surviving and going back to uh live her life yeah i mean that's 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 the kicker which is there's many story elements in this game and i I think it's very hard to to you know bumble our way through every big story aspect of this game because there is actually because there's a lot of QT stuff and there's a lot of stuff that's actually evolved yeah, it's around story it's very story heavy trying to it touch is, on yeah. every single one of them would be um, very difficult yeah, yeah. yeah it is very difficult but ult- I mean, ultimately um, Asura himself sacrifices you know he, he then becomes at peace with himself um, to save his daughter and his daughter then goes back to I call it Earth but she goes back to the planet um, Gaia Gaia and um you know, Asura, no, no Asura's eventually, yeah, he's he's passed from this world. Mm. Yeah, so now the epilogue runs. Uh, the it's uh, this is the longest of all the epilogues post chapters. This one is ten uh, pages long, as it were. Eight hundred and seventy million years later, it says. <laughs> um, and the first shot picture you see is a recreation of the 
opening uh, the attract mode from the original Street Fighter 2 coin-op. Uh, only the the man punching the other man in the face is uh, Asura, and the other man is clearly meant to look like Yzen. Uh, and as the uh, as the the screens go on, there's there's a Chun Li analog and various other, uh, and we see that most of these uh, demigod generals have been in some way reincarnated or exist again in some way. Uh, people are living their normal lives, um, but then a meteor comes down from the sky, a big red meteor, and hits the planet, um, and then it's kind of I think it actually says to be continued. So they were, oh god I hope it is but it's pretty much it seems a bit bizarre to in at the end of a animated epilogue to an optional DLC have your sequel tease <laughs> how many people are going to see this did they did they know when they were doing it like well hardly anyone's going to see this bizarre thing where we've recreated screens from Street Fighter 2 it could very easily be a joke yeah and that's what I saw it as. Yeah, yeah. Even though I would love to see the sequel just so much. Okay. Then just set in modern day, it would be yes. ridiculous. Asra <laughs> is just completely human this time. I would love to see how it went. <laughs> um, we should talk uh, briefly, running towards the end of our time, about the audio side of things. Um, now, I played it with uh, the original Japanese voices. It made sense to me. It's an anime, an interactive anime, if you will, um, to have the Japanese voice cast. Uh, I thought it was excellent. Um, the subtitles seem to be uh, pretty good. Uh, obviously, I, I don't know because I don't speak Japanese. Um, Hiroki Yasumoto plays Asura and does a fantastic job. He's got this great, rich, booming voice, and he has to do a lot of really quite demanding uh, there's a lot of shouting in this game and a lot of pained uh, acting and I, I think he does it well this guy's done a ton of anime um, he you probably know him from you might know him from Guilty Gear 2 or you might know him from uh, he's Guile in Street Fighter uh, uh, and and various other characters he he plays interestingly he plays the Japanese version of Adam Jensen in Deus Ex Human Revolution hmm. uh, so I expect he he's probably he's probably better at that than the guy who did it for the English version, but I didn't ask for this. The English cast uh, or the English voice cast, American cast, really are full of the people who we've uh, spoken about before on this game. The usual suspects in terms of the the go to guys for Trent, you know, doing the English cast for a Japanese game. So you've got Liam O'Brien as Asura, who uh, we know him from Darksiders and Near and various other things. You've got Robin Atkin Downs as Yasha. He's uh, Travis Touchdown. Is that that guy from yeah, Normal Heroes? Yeah, I think so. Or, or uh, other things. Carrie Walgren, Tara Strong, Steve Bloom. The usual guys, so Tara Strong being a favourite man. Yeah, she was Juliet and Lollipop Chainsaw and Rachel and Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, <laughs> uh, in this she is Durga, who is Asura's wife. Asura's hot wife who dies. Spoiler. Yeah, uh, speaking of hot wives, and uh, we should also mention the the, the onsen chapter, the concubines. Uh, I think James has something to say about the the depiction yeah. of women in Asura's well, I, Before we get there, I mean, I I had a. a a different reaction to the Japanese versus English dialogue in this game. Um, I started out in English because you know, I, just, I think does it start off the game like that anyway? Uh, I normally I think, would do, yeah. No. Yeah, I think yeah, so. By so default, um, yeah. I was playing like that, and I must 
uh, to be honest, I've, it actually repelled me a little bit. Um, I, because of the over-the-top nature of everything that's going on, um, I have a real problem with people shouting in anime in you know large booming voices in anime there's just something that tends to wind me up um and i was having a real problem with it and it was actually quite distracting and i wasn't enjoying the game so much with that now i found that the the japanese vocal track was there and subtitles was an option the moment i put it on that completely different Mm. i know this this sounds you know like oh no it, it has to be the pure japanese like quite snobbish but just the tone of what was going on on screen and the booming voices the way that it was being animated the japanese um anime feeling came across that much more no via... you're such an elitist tony well no, and that's what it comes across but it is I, really I, not i, I, I don't just, agree I... that it comes across that as well maybe maybe that's because i am one but i just I'm think it's a, it's a japanese video game it's a japanese animation in context it just felt so of much course. more natural to have it in yeah. japanese um and it fit it fit within the shura himself and so as soon as i did that Unfortunately, every time I went, tried to go back to the English one, it, it felt wrong to it. It's, maybe this is... The, you remember when Jay was going on about um, the, the whole Metal is, Gear thing? Yeah. The simple I, fact is that if they had the wrong voice actors for this, you know, if they just... If it was at the level of the translation for um, Chaos Wars on the PS2, hmm, and yeah. I suggest that you look that up on YouTube, Yes. if it was at that level of uh, translation and voice acting, everything about this game would collapse just instantly through that. It's so important to have a good voice cast. So how do they do? We we know the names. We know they're all capable. Uh, they do very well. And and they do a good job for those people who either... I mean, Chances are it probably would be better in Japanese for the reasons that you've said. There are reasons to not to not want to read the subtitles because you you because you want to get as much out of the the visual side of it as possible it's it's the same you know as with the the studio ghibli you know film dubs like they tend to be done quite well and although i tend to go for the japanese voices there is that well this is such a beautiful thing that you don't want to be distracted by reading at the you know bottom of the screen yeah it's basically i think that either one would uh be entirely reasonable. I mean, Jap- I like Japanese subtitles generally, but I was watching this, I had no problems at all with the dub. Uh, James, you play a bit with the English on as well? Yeah, so um, the thing that struck me immediately was um, Astra's voice. I, I recognised Liam O'Brien instantly from uh, his... Just Anyone who's played Nier will remember his voice as, as Grimoire Vice. Uh, talking book, you would remember that, let's be honest. Um and uh, and I I love him as as a as a voice actor. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Um, and so I, I I really wanted to play it with the English uh, language on, but and it's a strange one because with Studio um, Ghibli, I'm quite happy to go with the English um, voice acting generally. Um, uh, whereas obviously with live action films, it's absolutely got to be in the oh, yeah. in the original mm-hmm. language. Um, for me, certainly, subtitles don't bother me. I often watch English language um, video with mm. with subtitles on. Anyway, yeah, um, you've said this before. Yeah, it just doesn't distract me in the same way. Actually, reading the text helps me take in what's what's going on in the story generally. So, um, yeah. so I I was really sort of 
torn because because I'd, I'd heard people say that the Japanese was better and so I wanted to try that out um, but equally well I wanted to hear Liam O'Brien so I ended up flipping between the hmm. two a few times and just trying them out and um, neither stood out as particularly bad obviously I, I don't have any of the sort of um, concerns with the the booming voice I think it's done well enough that you never sort of scoff at it and think that it sounds particularly bad certainly in, in either um i tended to just about prefer the japanese it was only liam o'brien that really kept me going back to the the english mm. voice but i guess uh, i found myself more involved with the japanese stuff yeah, and yeah. you know you uh, i found the english stuff more more distracting mm. and yeah. I, I think it's just the fact that it is it's, it's so close to an anime stuff that it feels like it wasn't in just being dubbed over now yeah. You know, it's each their own, and I can understand. Yeah, you know, there were certain times when I was trying to see the action play out on screen and, and missing pieces of dialogue because it's hard to take in everything all at once. Yeah. But overall, I you know I preferred uh, the presentation of how it came across in the uh, the original dub. Um, and the score uh, by Chikayo Fukuda, uh, I thought was pretty much tremendous all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. the the whole thing is just. Splendid mixes you know. genres, eclectic. There's, uh, there's. Um, it's sorted all the right points. It's just, it's emotional. You know, it's one of those ones that actually does tap into your emotions just because it swells at the right moments and kind of, it fits so well with what's going on, on screen. Yeah, I mean, like generally, I can watch it play a game and remember nothing about the soundtrack. Mm. It's I can't see a lot of people playing this and then not having at least some good things to say about it. Yeah, it's epic where it needs to be. It rocks out sometimes in a good way, not in a not in an annoying way. Uh, Yasha's theme is really cool. I thought Yasha's theme is tremendous. Mm. Uh, so like a sci-fi western. Type. Yes, it's like Definitely. a Serenity yeah. Firefly. Yeah, totally. Mixed in with that. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, the main theme uh, is by a different composer as Karu Wada. Karu Wada, I should say, um, and the uh, vocal female vocal is Tomoyo Mitani. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll have some of that dotted about this show. And you can hear it for yourself, but yes, one of the strongest aspects of the whole experience for me, I think. And when you marriage, when you marry those often spectacular visuals with a fantastic soundtrack, it's even if you're not actually playing at that particular point, it's hard not to enjoy it on some level. Mm. Just admiring the the sheer, you know, the artistry of it and the the creative talent that's gone into it. Just like I did with the Hot Springs segue and a half oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> nice comeback um, yeah so there's a section where a, a, an interactive section it, which is kind of a, a one off uh, really in that it's um, it's a totally calm section but you do have a certain uh, number of options to interact you can move the camera around as, as Asura's eyes you can take a drink you can get increasingly pissed uh, you can stand up Mainly, you can ogle these uh, concubines. So you're you're sitting in an onsen, uh, outdoor hot bath with uh, August. August, your mentor, yeah. And you're served by these two buxom wenches, who are wearing face masks uh, because you know why would they need to speak or anything like that? Or have identities or be characters yeah. at all? Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're actually men. They're actually men. <laughs> so the women in this game. There's uh, Durga, who's a wife who doesn't do anything but die. There's a child who is incredibly powerful, but is just a little kid but who happens e- to have equally powerless. Power. Uh, uh, yeah, she's not in control of her own destiny in any way, shape, or form. Um, There's Olga, who hmm. is uh, capable and yeah. not unintelligent, but 
utterly subservient to Deus. Utterly yeah. subservient to Deus. And she's not she's not much there's no development of her character really, I don't think. No. And she's kind of story. you know, she's kind of babelicious. Yeah. And then there's the two concubines who have got uh And the kid that and, dies. And, yeah. And, and the and kid. The, yeah. Oh, okay. Who yeah. does actually she, provide similar impetus to, to Mithra in the story, but... She cries and dies. But and she, she she's does, actually she, a spunky character. Yeah, she's she's got a, a bit of steel to her, I think, yeah. it's fair to say. So what would we say about the depiction of women in Asura's Wrath? Disappointing, I think. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. there's eight generals. One of them is, is a woman. Now, mm. numbers don't necessarily mean anything. If that had been a particularly well-rounded or, or uh, a female character that had a great story arc or you know had an impact on the story but she doesn't the generals that are key and memorable and and you know the ones that you see most of during the story and have the the good arcs are male characters okay mm-hmm. fine the 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 daughter and the analog for the daughter on on earth both Decent enough characters, but they're basically plot impetus for Asura at key points. That's really all they've got about them. And then chapter 10. Just, I, I understand having the sort of down moment and the moment between Asura and August is great because they've got this respect for them. It's very much a, a Ryu Ken type thing where they've got mm. this rivalry, but ultimately they respect one another and they just want to fight. Is, oh, is their master driving. versus student. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and there's achievements for looking at tits. But yeah, it just struck me as really <laughs> odd. So you've got these these women dressed in. I did get that, by the way, without knowing about it, which says well, a view of well, the valley, but, but which says something yeah, about me. If, if you actually on, just well. don't move the stick, you end up getting the achievement because it oh, really? for me just because I walked away from the game at that point, <laughs> not not out of outrage because I hadn't known what it was about yet. But um, yeah. yeah, so yeah. you've got these these two women who are serving drinks in a hot spa. That's just, that's their role there. Um, and they're dressed in very skimpy outfits, sort of silk or lace or that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, the, w- when I say veil over their face, I'm not talking about any sort of religious wear or anything like that. It's literally a veil covering their eyes, which to me was immediately, well, that's to remove identity. They are not anything but there to serve these two men, which is disturbing. Yeah. Little. But if if that's done in... It, it, you know in service of some point to be made fine you know it, it it can drive the plot forward or have something to say about you know these characters who are in the hot spring and treating these women like that but it's just not well, well, wasn't the point i mean just just to be a <laughs> argument with yeah, you. yeah um wasn't the point that is it argus yeah um was trying to say to azurus why don't you enjoy the finer things in life mm. um you know such as women and booze and like we we're the yeah. most powerful people in this universe so like it's, it's it's about how you enjoy the women as more than just a pair of tits i think is you know that i think it's entirely fair to say you know if if these are meant to be asura we know is meant to be a heterosexual character it's fine you know it's fine to say enjoy some sex but you still don't have to depict the the uh the objects of desire as just that just object and, and i'm playing devil's advocate i, I realize yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm putting it, yeah. For, I mean, I've I've noted down on notes of things I don't like about the game. That was one of them because it it sticks out like a sore thumb. Like yeah. it 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 probably would be better if they didn't tie trophies and achievements to it. So, mm-hmm. for instance, if you look at the breasts, you get view of the valley, and if you go to touch the breast, which I think you have to do to end mm. that that confrontation, you um, oh yeah yeah, you do, yeah. Asurus 
jumps up, smacks you in the face, knocks you out, yeah, and then August. the achievement or trophy pops up and says, denied. And and that's the strange thing is because you've got a bunch of options, as you said, Leon. So you can take a drink, you can stand up. So I Get immediately drunk. stood yeah. up. I thought, right, the way I'm playing Asura, not interested, going to stand up. But no, you immediately then sit back down again, take a drink. You you missed over for a little while. But ultimately, it there aren't choices to be made there. It's work out which button to press to end this essentially mm. is 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 what it is uh, and i think the the other thing we haven't mentioned which is um it's got the classic ridiculous boob physics is the only way to describe it where you know literally movement where there should be none i don't mm, know yeah. what sort of tendons are going off in these things but <laughs> they are springing just i can't it's nonsensical <laughs> Absolutely to to give you some context, yeah. they are um, on the moon, so they could be aliens. <laughs> yeah, dead DO5. Yeah. But um, now, to give you a little bit of context, my, my wife was sitting beside me, and all she was doing was laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Well, so, of course it is, yeah. I don't think uh, it is so absurd. I, I think, you know, it would, it would, you, you would definitely be on the, yeah, on the, the very um, righteous, sensitive feminist end to be sort of offended by it because it is so absurd. And again, the. The, the male the male characters in in the game are portrayed as being you know equally sort of vacuous sexy. and stupid at points and sexy yeah. um yeah i think and i think there's some contextual justification because it is a, a story about ancient hindu stroke buddhist gods and mm. uh gautama buddha said that uh, an, a woman could never become chakravartin so these religions are potentially sexist in you know in I mean, their mythos this is 870 million years ago and if you look at the plight of women 100 years ago, it was pretty shit there. Yeah, well, that's exactly. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's that's kind of my point. If if there was, I mean, we've talked about there maybe is some kind of religious commentary here. Great, absolutely. The fact that a game is ridiculous and over the top and and fantastical as this may have something to say, even if you have to dig for it and reach for it a little bit, may mm. have something to say about uh, religion and the way it can come around. And yeah, being eight hundred and seventy million years ago, maybe this they're trying to say this is the sort of thing that led to people putting themselves forward as as uh, deified or or you know as a leader of religion. And if this particular chapter or scene in in chapter 10 were any kind of food for thought in that respect it's just i didn't feel it in the same way as i could quite happily talk about whether or not you know what kind of religious and philosophical backgrounds they put into the game and why there was no other than a tiny insight into august there's no justification i don't think and no deeper meaning behind why they've put it in there it just it seemed odd we must move on to uh, listener correspondence. Andy Kurosaki from the forum says, While this game got some mixed reviews, I've found it to be one of the most fun games of 2012. It's certainly different to the countless sequels on the market, and it was filled with some proper what-the-fuck moments, like when Asura fights his mentor on the moon, while a classical track, uh, which we have identified as uh, Vorjak's Symphony Number no. 9, always a, fam- a favourite in video games, uh, plays in the background. So yeah, I loved it. Baron Phil, my favourite game of the year so far, and nothing else has come close to the enjoyment I got from Asura's Wrath. Everything about the game stood out to me. Character design, graphical style, music, and especially the anime series presentation, complete with ad-break bumpers. 
I also feel that QTEs can learn a lot from this game where button presses felt like they corresponded to the actions on screen and you weren't just tapping a button to make something happen. Although you couldn't actually fail by missing prompts, something as simple as slightly muffling the sound of a punch that made me want to hit every button press perfectly. Needless to say, I bought all the DLC and although the fourth chapter could possibly have been included in the game from the start, it was good enough that I didn't mind paying the extra for it. Delby 2K For a long time, the idea of the interactive movie has been shunned as impossible, but Asura's Wrath has probably come as close as anything has in the past, if not created a model to follow for the future. The reason is that it it is never really interactive enough to be called a game. With the majority of the title effectively one long cutscene with QTE prompts, the brief is very much to watch and admire the visuals and imagination on show by the development team. This is a game of tremendous visual richness that grabs from all sorts of mythology strands to present present something quite unique in gaming. To be fair, there are combat and on-rails portions too that have become more prominent near the end of the title, shifting the dynamics slightly, but it is never passive enough to just be a movie and demands concentration to react to what is happening when presented with the prompts. It's definitely more than a pure watching requirement. I could not help but find this supremely entertaining throughout. Mechanically, it may be basic, but what CyberConnect 2 presents to you is such a strikingly impressive world full of unexpected moments, I became sucked into it hook, line and sinker. In some ways, some of the interaction detracted from what was happening for me with the arena battles become repetitious by the end, devolving into a dull set of rinse and repeat motions that appeared to promote attrition over skill. Which simply leaves the matter of the ending... If you got the normal ending, it's all right, mostly passable, but if you watch the true ending, it could be horrendously frustrating, I would imagine. The DLC for episodes 19 to 22 is fantastic, culminating in a really breathtaking final battle, but it may chafe that it has to be paid for. For me, it was worthwhile, but that is down to how, mu- how much I enjoyed this game. Um, Mike Lady 83 says, As a rental, I never had any motivation to see the full ending to the game, despite S-ranking 50 missions, which is a little disappointing. The fact it wasn't released yet also factors. Uh, But the core game experience was fun. The first level stunned me with its production values, but it struggled to live up to that standard over its duration. It's just irritating that for a game you think would be crying out for people to play it, that it backhands those that do by blocking off any resolution to the story until you cough up some more money. Uh, I've yet to see the complete ending to Prince of Persia for the exact same reason, and it's fucking frustrating. So in short, it's fun while it lasts and it should be inspiration to similar games, hopefully not a re-ramped, revamped Road Avenger, but it's also totally marred by business decisions as WTF as the game itself. Craman Edge, uh, our penultimate, uh, actually our final forumite, Craman Edge, when I first heard of Asura's Wrath, the descriptions of how it played sounded very similar to From Software's disappointingly dull QTE-fest Ninja Blade, and rather put me off. But the surprisingly positive reactions I saw and heard convinced me to rent it, and I'm glad I did. The game totally charmed me, and I enjoyed it much more than I expected. The game didn't seem too bothered if you messed up the QTEs, so there was none of the frustration you'd normally expect. I found the combat simple but enjoyable, and the Space Harrier-type section sufficiently full of explosions. But unlike Bayonetta's, not so long you got bored of them. True, if all games were like this, it'd probably get dull very quickly, but this was a refreshing change from what we usually served up. From the bizarre way it presents itself like an anime TV series to the insane storyline and cast of characters, it's an exuberant, bombastic piece of bubblegum entertainment. It knows it's silly, and it just goes with it. Getting the chance to shut up Wizen, the first of the seven deities you fight, in the middle of his pompous speech was a brilliant little touch, and an option I would have liked in a number of other games. And then, uh, Tony, you prompted a comment from Brad Galloway to redress the balance somewhat. 
Yeah, I, mean, I you know listening to game critics for a number of years now. Um, I know Brad wasn't a fan of this game, um, and also the horror geek uh, Mike Bracken. Um, so I, I was trying to get a, a a different opinion from them expressed, but unfortunately, due to time differences, they were both at work, so couldn't write anything particularly long. But Brad you did, did get a different opinion, though. That, yeah, Brad definitely sent a, a different opinion, which was uh, I've got no. Uh, I've got a lot to say, but no opportunity to say it. Sum it up for me as this. Biggest disappointment of 2012 and one of the year's worst games overall. So, um, but uh, I mean, if you're after a, a different opinion, they Mike Bracken did do a review on the Game Critics website. Mm. Um, you should go and read that and, and see a pretty strong uh, different intake uh, <laughs> on the game. Uh, we also have a three-word review forthcoming from former Game Critics podcast host Tim Spaeth, who disagrees with brad so yes those three word reviews then let's start with darren white spider zero my thumbs hot furious says ah hugely underrated (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um this is this brings up uh, a topic close to my heart um there's normally at least one three word review each time where somebody says either underrated and or overrated or overrated i should say uh I'd just like to point out, with the best will in the world, saying a game is underrated is not a review of the game. It's a review of your perception of other people. Chazzy UK, insane interactive anime. Tim Smith. Oh! Grrr. Brilliant. <laughs> and Jimmy says, shut up, Wizen. Uh, our own summaries. Let's start with James. Um... <laughs> My thoughts on the game. Um, it, it just the the sheer audacity of having made something like this uh, endears me to it a little bit. The fact it's something different and something different doesn't always mean a good thing, but it means it's something worth paying attention to in my books. And um, we've had discussions previously about Dear Esther that being a an interactive mm-hmm. experience rather than a game, and maybe this is an interactive movie rather than a game, but. I know some people are, you know, particularly concerned when things that pretend to be games or portray themselves as games aren't. In my mind, if it's an experience I can have, whether it be on Xbox or PC or whatever, and it's something that entertains me, it's worth having. And this is definitely in that uh, category. Um, Yeah, it just kept me entertained all the way through. Uh, It's just a complete visual feast. But I enjoyed it, and I'd, I'd recommend people check it out, whether that's as a rental or, or buying it. Darren Foreman. This game was a very pleasant surprise for me. As I've said, basically a QTE game that uh, all you're really doing is kind of responding to on-screen prompts. It doesn't usually sound like my kind of thing, but that's mainly because so many games just don't do it right. Asura's Wrath does it not only right, but kind of blows it out of the water. It just gets so many things right when it comes to the music, the pacing, the direction, the, the artistic style. There's really beautiful illustrations between things. The story's actually quite good. It's touching, it's well acted. It just engaged me on so many levels that I really didn't expect. It's not a perfect game, but it's a very good one. And even though you might not be too much of a fan of the brawn segments or the flying segments, there's a good chance that it'll all come together to form a very positive mental image of the entire game as a whole in your mind by the end. It certainly did with me, and I have absolutely no regrets in purchasing it after I had already completed the Randall. I believe that Capcom deserved to be rewarded, at least in part, for just not releasing not releasing all their 
past classic games and just taking a chance with something different. I think this is one of their best moves in years, even though it might not have rewarded them financially in the way that they might have deserved. So yeah, I recommend Asura's Wrath. With slight reservations depending on your own perspective of these kind of games, but for anyone who thinks they might enjoy it, you probably will. I think what it comes down to is, uh, I think it would be hard to be completely unentertained by this, but I think that people could certainly, obviously, you know, like correspondent Brad Galloway, uh, can find the whole thing completely nonplussing. Um, it's hard to recommend this objectively. It's very much um, whether it's going to appeal to you or not, but uh, but don't try the demo out because that will almost certainly put you off. <laughs> Um, and also it comes down to the fact that, as I say, I think now the fact that you can buy this for 12 13 pounds or 15 16 dollars something like that, plus you could buy all the DLC and the total price of the experience, which would last you a good few hours, would be under 20 pounds. I think uh, I think it's worth trying, even even if you're just a fan of graphics. You know, it's just like I remember, you know, going into but- arcades in the 80s and going, "Oh my god, look at the graphics!" And that doesn't happen a lot now because we're we're used to we're used to. That's high- the thing. I mean, it, it's a good idea to push people out their comfort zone once in a while because if they don't check it out, they, they won't know if they like it or not. But yes, even even if you just want to see, you know, um, high quality graphics, I don't just mean in a technical sense. I mean in an artistic sense as well. You know, even even on the the lowly now aging consoles, the creaking 360 and PS3. This is a spectacular game and worth checking out. Tony? Yeah, to pick up a point that um, Darren put out there is, um, to me, this is Capcom of the PlayStation 2 era. Remember the, the, the teams behind God Hand, Killer7, Beautiful Joe, Akami? You know, stuff that... Yeah, but those were was... actually Capcom games. Yes, I know, but, you know, this, you know whether this was just, okay, published by them, but it, it, it was Capcom taking chance on ridiculous ideas, mm-hmm. and some of those, you know, you could argue some of those games weren't as good as the premises, but they were trying something different. They were trying, you know, it, the Capcom of late seemed to have fallen into a, you know, maybe apart from Dragon's Dogma, um, seemed to have fallen into kind of a fairly stale, yes, we're doing street fighter remakes and all stuff like that so it just feels like this is you know them of old trying something genuinely different now can you play a game which is you know the argument is it a game because there's a lot of qt stuff in there like i i can't argue that for you but i also think that you know people trying something different should be applauded it shouldn't be scoffed at like oh this isn't games because do you know what this could just be the steps towards something there um, are plenty of games like that as well, though. I mean, like Flower and Journey, you could argue the same kind of thing about those. Yeah, I mean, James... I mean, you're not technically buying a, a game as such sometimes, you know. It is classed as a game. But what it is, if the experience appeals to you or not. Yeah. You're well, buying an experience. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter about experience. the definition. You know, everyone's well-informed now as to... Well, everyone who's listened to this should be well-informed as to what it is now. Um, but it certainly ruffled feathers through the industry of people mm. saying, well, it's not really a game. And yeah, that, yeah, but they can yeah, shut up. You know? Yeah, I know they can. And um, it's, it's an experiment. It's the whole genre of the whole industry should be experimenting with ideas. And it's not the first time we've heard this. Peter Jackson's been talking about this. Del Toro's been talking about making interactive entertainment. It's, you know, Capcom as the publisher, whoever, have managed to bring something to market. Now... What we haven't, I don't think, it's got across. I think the story is actually pretty good. I think it does a good job of conveying um, loss and emotion and the Zura as a father who's it's so out of his, his mind that the, you know, the, his ability to interact with this small crying baby, like he can take down the biggest gods in the world, mm-hmm. but to hold a baby, 
you know, he shuns at it. I mean, that's to me, that's that was quite an interesting take of that. And on top of that, it's got some of the most ridiculous moments I can remember from gaming. It's just, it's both funny, it's both touching, um, it's a really odd experience. And this is one of these things like, will this appeal to other people outside of like that's the big male demographic? Because it's, you know, it's quite violent i would argue um my wife liz she sat there for the entire time and watched this with me in fact telling me that i couldn't play the game without her sitting next to me because she was engaged enough with the story to actually want to know what carries on Hmm. and we were giggling laughing together because it's ridiculous but also highly entertaining um so like you know if if i was to be really reductive i think the gameplay is nothing special but i think the experience to me was highly entertaining i agree with leon to a point i think there's a for me actually it was the middle section i think it it there's a little dip somewhere in the middle section. I was like, okay, yeah, let's just push through. But um, I went in with quite low expectations and, and came out as one of my favourite games of this year. So, you know, I, it gets a thumbs up from me and should be experienced and it's cheap enough for you to do I so. Gun so. point if necessary. Well. But I might even suggest that it's not too late to re- release this game episodically. Well, they went and back like, and did they could Fable, didn't they? Was it Fable 2? Fable 2 or Fable, Fable 3? Two, yeah. Fable 2, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah and... Um, yeah. That's a deal. Use those fucking adverts on the dashboard for, for good. For something that's <laughs> worth advertising, <laughs> just, yeah. Just have, like, listen, bitches, Asura's coming to punch you in the teeth. And you will download these They could now release it for, uh, you know, f- yeah, f- maybe 400 points for a, a, an episode you know at this point this game is probably not going to make Capcom any more money than it already has but th- that would be a way to potentially you know apart from the thousands of people that are going to buy it after this episode but yeah we might we might be responsible for a number of sales but probably not enough to make Capcom you know think possibly a half million or so yeah, yeah <laughs> j- just shy of that <laughs> Uh, the roundup then you can play along with Kane and Rince volume 2 next week we have our next issue Cast of Illusion Quackshot World of Illusion following that I have a week off for Syndicate 2012 with your host Tony Atkins then we're back on the Half-Life train with Half-Life 2 and then Cave Story Binary Domain Pac-Man Championship Edition DX with special guest joysticks Sinan Kuba and then Half-Life 2 episodes 1 and 2 then Akami all being well, Shenmue 1 and 2, Apple Jacks 1 and 2, and Papo and Yo. Uh, the month-by-month schedule can be found on the blog. The blog can be found at www.kenrince.com, where you can also find Quick Rinse videos on the plug, but also on our YouTube channel. We have a Twitter feed, which can be found at Kena Rince, a Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Kena Rince, and of course you can send us an email at kenarince at gmail.com. Your support for the show via iTunes subscriptions, reviews and ratings is massively appreciated, especially if you're in one of the territories outside the UK where we, for obvious reasons, get most of our reviews, leaving reviews on the Scandinavian, you know, Dutch, Swedish, American, Australian iTunes, all brilliant. Thank you very much for that in advance. You can join us, the CNR community at canerince.com slash forum. Lots of video game related discussion going on there just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony Atkins, Darren Foreman, James Carter, and we'll leave you with some suitably epic and furious music.